0: My son Ruffy's first word was a day of triumph. My husband and I are both highly competitive people and we had spent, okay, I want to say weeks, but it was more like months. Pretty much from the day that kid was born, we both wanted the first word. I wanted mum and he wanted dad. And then the day came, he was about maybe five months old, sitting in his high chair and he suddenly looked up at me covered in food and went, A mum 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 mum. The sweet smell of victory. Welcome to Baby Lab. It's a podcast from Babyology, produced in collaboration with Western Sydney University. And in it, we are going to dig deep into the science behind how babies learn to talk. My name's Jamila Risby. I'm an author, commentator, but most importantly, I am mum to three-year-old Ruffy. In this episode, we're going to be talking about first words and how understanding where they come from might just be the clue to unlocking the evolution of human language itself. Stay with us.
1: Daniel's first word was car. He skipped mum, skipped dad...
0: (laughs) He was a bit on the slower side to speak, but once he started saying words like car, it just came, came straight away. The first word, once said, is hard to forget. It feels like you have witnessed your child taking this giant leap forward, even if sometimes you find yourself wondering if they actually meant to say it, or if it was, you know, a burp. He loves cars. He takes one to bed every night, a different one every night. It's fun to try and read into why your baby chose that word to say. If your baby's first word is truck, maybe that means they're going to be a truck driver, maybe a mechanic or an engineer.
1: So my mother told me, the first word you said was do. You were saying do, 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 right? But she was saying that, you know, I was always wanting stuff to happen. Now, I don't think it would have been because that's a hard sound to make, right?
0: Professor Dennis Burnham is an infant researcher at the Marx Institute at Western Sydney University.
1: But I think people focus on the first words that babies say because it's the first time that this communication has been going on. It's all uncovered. It's brought into the open. Ah, oh, he said his first word, you know, and so now... He's actually communicating with me. The fact is that babies have been communicating right from birth. And the fact is also that babies recognise a whole lot of words that are spoken before they can actually say those words. And they can't say the words because their apparatus just isn't ready yet. Because when babies are born, they need to get milk in order to survive. They have enormous big sucking pads in their cheeks and their tongue takes up most of their mouth. So they can't say many things. And what happens gradually over development is that the sucking pads get smaller in relation to the shape of the head and the tongue gets smaller in relation to the, to the oral cavity and also the baby's larynx, the voice box, drops after about six months or so. The, that dropping of the voice box means that you can produce vowels. But it's up high when they're born because if it wasn't, they could choke more easily. Yeah, mama was I think his second word, and then banana, banana.
2: <laughs> and banana, <apple. laughs> and apple.
1: Some of the first sounds that they produce are with their lips, right? Baba, mama. So these tend to be the first words. And it's not an accident that most words for mother across languages and the words for father are very similar. In English we say mother, mum, in Thai it's mare. In Italian it's mama. Father is papa, father. So because these the words for mother and father are similar across languages, and because these are the first words that the babies have said, then When we've been creating languages, which sort of happens organically, then the word for mother tends to be something that the baby has said very early on. I mean, this is just a hypothesis. But you have to think, why else would the word for mother be similar across all languages? Or why else would this word for father be similar across all languages?
0: The mystery around how a baby learns their first words all started unravelling a few decades ago when early child linguists and researchers began to focus in on the importance of baby talk and noticed that the silly way adults talk to kids was actually something really important.
2: Baby
3: talk is fascinating because it's something that we do instinctively. But some of our research suggests that there are several potential reasons for why parents do it.
0: Dr Marina Kalashnikova is a researcher at the Marx Institute at Western Sydney University.
3: Baby Talk allows them to establish a bond with their baby and to regulate their baby's emotions. So this singing pattern of Baby Talk and the warm positive emotions in it basically make babies happier. But another reason may be not unique to humans, but we also find it in other species. And that is to appear smaller and less threatening to our offspring. So when we produce baby talk, we tend to raise our pitch. And in the animal world, a species or an animal that has higher pitch tends to be perceived as smaller. So think of a um, sound that a mouse makes versus the roar of a lion. In different animals, when the animal approaches their offspring, they tend to produce higher pitch vocalizations so that the offspring is not afraid that it will be eaten, for example. Um, so we propose in our research that parents may be raising their pitch in baby talk for the same reason. And again, adults do it all the time. For example, two people who interact a lot, start sounding similarly. So that can be found in partners or in roommates, for example. So you pick up some of the qualities of the other person's speech. And we may be doing the same with babies because babies like to listen to sounds that sound like another baby.
1: A byproduct of that is vowel exaggeration. When parents talk to infants, They exaggerate that space between E, U and R. They exaggerate that vowel space. They don't know they're doing it.
0: Dennis Burnham suggests that this subconscious exaggeration of vowels is one of the primary ways we teach language.
1: The degree to which parents exaggerate those vowels relate to infants' later vocabulary. So if mothers exaggerate the vowels more, infants have better vocabulary at 18 months We've also shown that this exaggeration of vowels occurs when we're talking to infants, but it doesn't occur when we're talking to dogs and cats. So when we're talking to dogs and cats, Hello, boy, yeah, I'm home, let's go for a walkies, yeah, that sort of stuff. We've got the up and down, we've got the emotion, but they don't exaggerate the vowels. When we talk to foreigners, we don't have the emotion, but we do exaggerate the vowels. When we talk to a computer avatar that is talking a bit like a computer, people actually exaggerate the vowels because we're trying to teach foreigners to speak.
0: While it's still not fully understood why babies say a particular word first, this question has led to some really interesting research. Perhaps these subconscious vocalisations we do when communicating with babies who can't talk yet point to the very origin of human language development.
1: First of all, we used to carry our babies on the chest or, or on the back. Then we lost all of our fur. So then babies couldn't hang on anymore. And when parents were foraging for food, they'd put the baby down. They'd look back over the baby, oh, uh 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 just comforting the baby, talking to the baby, this sort of thing. So we think infant director speech started off as a way of just engaging the infant, saying everything's okay, it's all right, I'm just getting some food, I'll be back, you know, everything's okay.
0: Professor Burnham is hinting at how these early baby talk sounds might have been some of the first human language to be spoken. And still to this day, that baby talk plays a big role in tuning babies' ears to pick out and focus on the distinctive sounds of their particular native language.
1: So then, that vowel exaggeration, the infants picked up on that and say, hey, you know, these are the, these are the distinctive sounds in my language and infants start to hear that there are particular sounds they hear in their language around them, and they don't hear other sounds. So what we do as infants, we narrow the focus of our attention to those sounds that are used most in our language. They'll just block out all that other stuff.
0: This tuning process is behind why, as adults, we might find it harder to learn a new language especially one like Thai or Mandarin, that use tones and other sounds that we don't use in English.
1: That birth, infants can actually discriminate between, they can tell the difference between any sounds in any of the world's languages. In English, you have bin and pin. So they're very similar, but, and put is very similar, except that the put sound has a bit of air coming out. In Thai, they have three of those sounds. They have bin, bin and pin first two you can't tell the difference between as adults, but infants will tell the difference between those.
0: This is because we didn't hear adults around us using these sounds when we were babies. We sort of forget. We lose the ability that we're all born with to hear these kinds of very subtle differences. It also explains that F in Year 7 French that I got. Mum and Dad really should have started a decade earlier.
1: So when English-speaking adults say the word bin... Males will say it differently to females. If you're saying um, bin in a certain context, I put the rubbish in the bin, or I've been to so-and-so, the "b" sound might be a little bit like that Thai "b" sound, but what the infant learns to do is to put them all into one category. Thai infants, however, they'll learn there's three categories. But Thai infants won't learn that there's a difference between chut and shut. They only have a jut in their language, right? So... They tune into their own language and they start to focus only on the sounds that are used in their own language. Now, by the time they're about 11, 12 months of age, that's more or less complete.
0: We'll be learning more about the science around raising a bilingual baby in a later episode of Baby Lab. But for now, I'm wondering, what other amazing abilities are babies born with? And how can we make sure we're nurturing those abilities so that they don't disappear? Should we be talking about educating our kids earlier? Should we be talking about what they can learn before they can even walk or talk? That's coming up after the break. Welcome back to Baby Lab. I'm Jamila Rizvi, and in this episode, we're investigating the origins of language. How did we as a species first start to do this radically complicated thing? Talk to each other about our feelings.
4: I think it's really important to study how infants learn language because it's so important to, to life. I mean, can you imagine a world without language?
0: Dr Karen Mattock has worked for almost 20 years as a researcher into early language development.
4: It really is the window to learning everything about the world. But to learn language, you need to have consistent ins- exposure and experience with it. and we ha- there's a lot of evidence to show that direct quality interaction is how babies is the prime way that babies are learning language. You know, parents that speak less to their children years later their children have poorer language development and poorer language outcomes at school. So we talk about this divide in children's vocabulary knowledge um, because they're just not hearing. As much language.
0: She explains that babies begin this process of learning to decode sound into language from surprisingly early on.
4: Well, the origins of language and how a baby learns language really starts before birth. From the third trimester of pregnancies, the last three months, the baby can actually hear in the mum's womb. So even then, they're starting to get access to the speech sounds, but it doesn't sound like how we are having a conversation right now. It sounds really, like, warbled, a bit muffled, but they're hearing the rhythm or the intonation. And that's really their first insight into language. So when they're born, they already have three months of experience in hearing this almost, like, proto-language is part of language, giving them lots of cues already of what to tune into. So they're already
0: prepared to learn language.
2: Let's read the story. All right. Are you ready?
0: You'll remember that earlier in this episode, we learned that babies are born with incredible hearing and that they can distinguish between all these really similar sounds.
3: Years of research now demonstrate that these very early abilities linked to spoken language actually predicts their later ability to read.
0: Marina reveals that a baby's ability to do this directly contributes to how they'll be able to learn to do other things later in life.
3: And this connection exists because when we learn how to read, we actually establish a connection between a written symbol, which is a letter in a language like English, for example, and a speech sound.
0: This research shows how early predictors can flag the kids who might have difficulties learning to read before they even get to school.
3: We can study reading ability in a child who already knows how to read. We can ask them to read something, and we can measure how quickly or accurately they do it. But at this stage, the child has already learned to read, and if the child will show some kind of difficulty, it's already been manifested at this point. But what we do is we study how babies learn spoken language, and this is because we all learn speech from very early on in life, and we only later learn how to read.
0: He was too fierce, so they sent me a <gasps> camel. Look at these funny babies! Humps. Aren't just born he with that amazing drunk. ability to hear?
2: <gasps> yes, and then this disappears quickly.
0: Lishuan Lu is a researcher and lecturer in bilingualism and language development, and says that babies have other fascinating abilities that we adults. We've just lost.
2: So we are born with full capability of learning languages and full capability of learning almost everything. Why do I say that? Do you know that we are born to be able to distinguish, tell the difference from two monkey faces? For example, if you are like three months old, if you're four months old, you are able to discriminate two lima faces. And then later on, at the age of nine months, you lose sensitivity to it. All the monkeys look like the same in the zoo, but you keep sensitivity to human faces. However, what they did is that they they did a storybook in which they put monkey faces in the story. And these babies who read these books daily keep their sensitivity to monkey faces. We are born with amazing capability of discriminating stuff, to, of learning stuff. It is what we lose. <laughs> um, and now we are just, you know, we are who we are. This is not a bad thing because th- this lose is another game of adapting to your own environment. If you don't need to learn monkey faces, why does the brain keep the capacity anyway? Yeah, then the, the brain needs to focus their resources on what's more important to it. However, imagine there are plenty of exposure to everything. I do believe that we have the capacity of reaching fantastic, significant results in the future.
0: lee right. As adults in our everyday lives, we rarely need to be able to distinguish between two different monkey faces – But it's still a great example of all the incredible things that a baby is born already able to do, and how these can provide glimpses into human history, into our evolution, and perhaps they might shape our future as well.
2: Imagine what we can achieve starting from prenatal education. There's a recent research that creates loads of uh, shocking moments. So what they did is that they posed a 4D ultrasound to babies. They posed a triangle, three dots representing a triangle. And then they also have this reversed. So it's like a vertical triangle. But this triangle is represented just by three dots like in the corner of the of the triangle. And then what they say is that babies were turned towards the vertical dots in the womb way more than they turn to the normal triangle. So what they say is that these vertical triangles, three dots represent two eyes and a mouth. So it's like a face. So babies are naturally tuning towards the face, even inside the womb. It's crazy.
0: The way we think about education and how we teach kids today has changed a whole lot from the time when my parents or my grandparents went to school. But for parents today parents like me, we really just want to know how best to help our child. But what does the research say?
2: So right now the education starts at the year three or four in the kindergarten, but our research shows that you should start at day one. However, the future research trend shows that you should start prenatally for sure. That would be about 50 years from now, I think.
0: Did you catch that? Yep, you heard it here first, folks prenatal education. Now that's a scary thought. I wonder what the school fees are like. If you'd like to know more about the research that's been featured in this episode, then head to babyology.com.au slash podcasts. And if you've got any comments or baby science questions of your own, then please do get in touch. We're at podcast at babyology.com.au. If you enjoyed the podcast, then please take a moment to give us a rating and maybe even leave a cheeky review. It helps other people to find the podcast and also makes me feel really good. Baby Lab is hosted by me, Jamila Rizvi. The series is produced and edited by Caitlin Gibson, and Tim Ritchie is head of podcast.
2: The baby Lab team would love to hear from you. In the final episode of this podcast series, we'll be answering your questions. Have you ever stared at your baby late at night and wondered what on earth is going on inside that tiny head of theirs? Do you have a burning science question about your baby or babies in general? Email babylab at babyology.com.au and stay subscribed for the final episode eight, where your questions will be answered by an expert.